This episode is supported by Seedlip, the world's first distilled non-alcoholic spirit. Crafted without alcohol, sugar, or calories, Seedlip spirits solve the dilemma of what to drink whenever you're not drinking, whether it's for the night, the month, or forever. Because as a non-drinker, it never feels good when your only options are water, soda, or sugary mocktails. So now you can skip the booze without feeling left out when the party's going on all around you. So whether you prefer punchy citrus flavors, aromatic spices, or savory herbs, Seedlip offers a drink for every drinker. It's crafted using a bespoke process, including traditional copper distillation of botanicals. And each of Seedlip's three variants, which are Spice 94, Garden 108, and Grove 42, are alcohol-free and have their own unique flavors, which pair so perfectly with just a splash of tonic. They can also be used to make more complex cocktails, though, and you'll find those in the Seedlip Cocktail Book or on their Instagram account at seedlip underscore na. So head on over to seedlipdrinks.com or .ca and use the promo code thisfamilytree10 for 10% off of your favorite non-alcoholic spirit. This is available in Canada and in the U.S. and now at LCBO stores throughout Ontario. Again, that is seedlipdrinks.com and thisfamilytree10. Hello, everyone. I'm Alex, and I'm here with my husband, Shane. And we are so glad that you could join us for Happy Hour on This Family Tree Podcast, episode 131. Very special episode. It is. Why? Why is it special? Well, we're like 36 hours home from a vacation. We are joined by Tabay Atkins on this for the interview. If you don't know Tabay Atkins, he is the face of Nike Yoga. And this kid's resume is lengthy. He's a yogi, the youngest yogi in the in the world, I think. He's a Reiki master, a vegan chef, and a plant-based nutritionist. And Shane, do you know how old he is? Yes, I booked the interview. He's 16 years old. It's like mind-blowing to be just to, to have that many things like when i was 16 i was working at the local deli just fainting really? yeah when i was 16 i was also a reiki master <laughs> do you know what reiki is it's the when you put your hands over somebody without touching them and give them special like forces at least that's the way i was doing it. <laughs> i would like to see you i, was, I got really now good. <clears throat> even as a reiki master but Tabay is, he was so good. And what I liked about him is like, because we got into the dedication that it takes to do these things, what his parents did to kind of foster that, just what it takes to be a, a yogi of any sort. But he's like very much still a kid as well as being like wise beyond his years and all that. It's, it's a cool dynamic. But Shane, cheers, baby. Being home, coming home from big vacay. We got Seedlip Garden 108 and Tonic, keeping it simple. Uh, why cheers we're i'm sad to be home i yeah don't I like this place as much as the other place <laughs> even lucy she goes mommy i liked waking up at our saint martin house better than this house and i it don't was, blame her i'm very impressed with lucy for one for a four-year-old she had total gratitude and appreciation for yes. being on the vacation she didn't just be non-realistic about it she wasn't like this is a castle and this is my fairy or like whatever. She was like, we're on vacation. This is temporary. I love that this is our temporary home. I love that we have an ocean, a pool. It's so fun being on vacation. Every day she had a moment of gratitude that was real and genuine and felt beyond her years, much like our guest today. <laughs> I agree. There was one moment where she, like, I kind of first experienced it. We were sitting out in the morning. It was like 6.30 because Lucy was waking up at like 5.30 every morning. She was super pumped. And uh, so we were sitting out at 6.30 eating breakfast, right? And it's like balmy. It's so nice. The ocean, like we're so close, like 100 yards away from the ocean in our balcony. And Lucy is just sitting there eating her breakfast and she goes, 
I just love the sound of the ocean and this place is so beautiful. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, Lucy, thank you. And I just felt so validated for bringing the kids because of that gratitude, you know, because sometimes you might second guess yourself because it can be tricky traveling with kids, but her appreciation and like understanding of how special it was made it so much more worth it. It was already worth it, but it made it more worth it. (laughs) No, but Shane, I want to know, and I have this in my notes. So I got apples and onions, but I want to get to that in a second. I want to talk about expectations and reality. Did this place meet your expectations? Was it lower? Did it surpass your expectations? Because I I did the planning. You're doing a thing I don't really like, Alex, if I'm being honest, where you're asking me questions that you know the answer to. Well, I want to hear it, Shane. This isn't a very authentic podcast because I've already talked in great detail. This place blew my expectations (laughs) out of the water. Why? Because you have been duped in the past. Yeah. uh, Lured to go to vacation spots that have taken advantage of your gullible nature. It's true. For example, uh, we went to Jamaica, as some of you may know, and Alex was told she was going to get a special $500 voucher (laughs) when she shows up. Spoiler alert, the voucher never came. It was a a ploy that someone created a fake Instagram account on behalf of the hotel to lure people to it under the promise of a fake voucher that never came to fruition. And all we got was sexually assaulted. Well, I didn't get sexually assaulted. Me. You, yeah, sexual harassment. No, harassment. Harassment, better word, right? But anyway, I had low expectations for this one because, truth be told, we did get a discount to go to this place. Uh, Not not the full boat or anything. We paid for our own flights, but we did get five days for the hotel. Yeah. And I thought there's going to be some catch. It's not going to be as good as it seems. The pictures looked great, but we're going to show up and there's going to be like rats in the corner or something. I don't know what. (laughs) I just thought, lower your expectations, enjoy it no matter what, but be ready to be a little disappointed. But when you lowered your expectations all the way down to rats in the corner, that's low. I don't know. Sometimes when you're on vacation, a rat in the corner, isn't that annoying? You're like, oh, I'm on a Caribbean island. This isn't like, it's different. It's like if I have roaches in my room and I'm on vacation, I'm not scared the same way I would be if I was at home and had right. roaches. You know, you just accept certain like iguanas are crawling everywhere yeah. and on my ankles. I'd be terrified if I saw an iguana <laughs> in Hamilton, but on vacation it's charming and unique. Anyway, great vacation spot. This place was a palace. Mm-hmm. We, in good conscience, we can more than recommend this. This was better than the place where we spent our honeymoon. It was, yeah. We also, your your mom came. My mother-in-law was on this trip. And I was worried, is there going to be enough personal space for her? Is there going to be enough personal space for us? There was an abundance of space where it felt like a townhouse more than even a hotel. Like it for she, sure was. She had her full... Like a stairwell she walked up to and she had two beds in her room, her own bathroom that had double sinks. And uh, we had a nice big kitchen. The girls were in their own quadrant. And then we slept on a pillow couch, which doesn't sound glamorous, but it was a really nice pillow couch. It was fun. You know, we all had our own TV too. And that's like a small thing, but it was really nice at night for everybody just to be in their own zone, doing their own thing. And we were in bed. 
Shane and I lights out by what, 8.30 every single night? Yes. Without exaggeration. I believe the expression is called day drinking. So it does (laughs) take it out of you to be, you know, I was probably having, what, five to ten beers a day? Ten? Well, maybe. Maybe now. Maybe that's playing it like cool, like I couldn't handle that many. (laughs) Maybe five. (laughs) Ten sounds cool for the fellas listening. But in reality, it's probably five beers a day. But then you wake up. That's the nice thing about doing that is that you wake up the next day and you feel amazing and you can get started when your kids want to get started, which is 5.30 a.m. for Lucy. But it really was amazing. So a spot, I said, like, you know, it's the the secluded little place beside a nature reserve outside of any towns. It is gorgeous. And it has two beaches of its own. So like one super calm beach that's really shallow, like that is amazing for kids playing. And then another beach that is not even wavy, but it's the wavier of the two. And that's just like a great hangout beach. But it was phenomenal. The pool, the kids could wade into. It had that like natural, you know what I mean? Oh, it was the perfect pool because it was, it wasn't shallow for just like, it wasn't made for kids, but it had this ledge that was so wide that kids could walk the whole length and walk with you while you're walking into the air quotes deep end, which still, it was probably five feet deep. Yeah. So it was enough where you could walk in and feel like your whole body submerged, but you can also save a kid if they fall in or something. You know what I mean? But it was it was very safe. And my other favorite thing about this spot is because it's on the French side of the island, right? So St. Martin is divided in two sides, the Dutch side and the French side. Just because you mentioned French, I have to say this because <laughs> I'm obsessed and annoyed with to the I get scared saying St. Martin around Canadians because <laughs> every time they find a way to correct me like St. Martin and they say it like that. St. Martin? Yeah. Well, some people will do they'll directly do that and then other people they'll just say it again but like the version they think is the correct way to say it like like if you're like oh yeah we're going to st martin they'll be like oh you're i heard going- it's really nice in st martin yes and they'll put this <laughs> wild accent on it and i'm like i'm maybe they're correct but it doesn't feel right it just gave, right. gave me this cringy feeling and then we talked to cab drivers mm-hmm. and asked them what should we be calling this place because i'm not comfortable saying it the the french way and he's like you're english speaking just say it saint martin that's the way to say it and then i have friends uh who live out there for a large portion of the year and i asked them to confirm Mm -hmm. and they were like yeah just say saint martin if you're saying uh it the other way it's the equivalent of saying mexico or paris when you say you're going to paris (laughs) So people, please stop correcting other people when they're saying St. Martin. And don't put your fancy thing on it. If you're a French-speaking person, sure, and that's the way you talk normally. But do not augment the way you speak to say St. Martin in this really weird way. I want to I know where people draw the line. And I want to see the person who uh, chooses to now take that advice but say, no, you know what? I'm going to apply it everywhere. And then they start going with Petty and Mexico and all of that. Mm-hmm. I want to know that person. That, that person sounds like a party. I feel like that person would be you of all people. So the reason this is such an appealing person is because you are the most likely to be doing this. <laughs> Out of you and I, yes. But Mike, my close friend Mike, who I host another podcast with. Who I host another podcast with. Yeah, okay, well, he's more of my friend. 
he was doing that to me a little bit. Right. And I, and it's just like, I couldn't, it's, I couldn't get mad at him, but mm-hmm. I was cringing. So have you told him what our cab driver said, or are you saving it for the pod? I'm saving it for the other pod. This is kind of uh, like, I just, I've gotten to the point where I'm just very lazy and I tell the same <laughs> stories on this pod and the other pod. They're, they're very interchangeable. <laughs> Luckily, since this one's called this family tree, it doesn't necessarily get the same audience as right. the other one. Okay, so with the French, where we were going before that was one of the best things about the side of the island that we were on, right? Mm-hmm. The food is freaking amazing. Grand Case, the town that is within walking distance from this resort. Hey, I got to stop you there. It's actually Grand Casse. Grand Casse. Grand Casse. Why we can call that place Casse and not Case. But I talked to Ian about it and he's like, I don't know why, but you can say St. Martin, but you have to say Casse. Grand Casse. So... Grand Cos, amazing food, like a freaking amazing food. And we had it all like we did French, we did like Americanized, we did Caribbean, we did Italian. Everything was phenomenal. Um, of course, you can get caught in, you know, tourist traps and whatnot. But I'd say Not 90, many. 95 percent of what we had was phenomenal. And we'd go back to uh, and our hotel had a restaurant attached and they made the tastiest crepes. So we would wake up every morning, right? We'd do like a little, you know, in the room breakfast. Then Shane and I would make our own espressos and we'd all go down to the the restaurant, order crepes, bring them up to the pool or the beach, eat them at like 7.30 a.m. and then just be in the water all day. I don't think I've actually had a good crepe until this vacation. Really? Yeah. I, I thought I was eating good crepes, but it's just because I was putting Nutella in crepes. <laughs> Across from my work, there was a crepe place. On Queen Street. Yeah. It's pretty good. But tasting these crepes, like real French crepes, that it just made me feel like, oh, I've been living a lie my whole other life. Yeah. It's like everything before that. It's like the people calling St. Martin St. Martin. It was like that crepe edition. Right. Or is it crepe? No, but (laughs) crepe. No, crepe, they said. It sounded Irish. Crepe. But uh, Irish crap. Yeah. Um, But... It really was amazing. And we are going to go back there, like hands down. We've already been talking about it with uh, my dad because we had so much space. And there was also in our condo, like in our townhouse, a full other bedroom that they kept locked just so that like we weren't, you know, using or whatever because we didn't pay for it. But like we can throw my brother in there. Legit, get the whole family down there. And everybody has their own big space. Like it's wild, but I cannot wait. So Shane, I want to ask an apple and an onion of the trip. So apple, for those who don't know, that's like the sweetest part, the best part of the trip. Onion is the somewhat bitter, but still, you know, possibly good. There's benefits to onions. Hmm. I don't know. Everything on the island is so good. I feel like St. Martin is the perfect island. It has everything that I it has none of what I don't like about going to like a, an island. Yeah. It, it's all gone. It's just swept away. And everything that I like about being on an island is there. And it's like a European place too. And all the foods I like. And it has good pizza. So just the, I don't know. The, the, it sounds weird, but the apple's the island. How no, great I, it is. Yeah. No, because I, I think that's it. Because it's, it's so unique, I think, St. Martin. Yeah. I think it's one of the most unique places I've ever been been to where it everything i like is checked off mm-hmm. and what about onion? no jellyfish onion, no jellyfish uh, or sharks 
Yeah, so the ocean's perfect. It's just, it's all wrapped up into this perfect world that is St. Martin. But, okay, <sighs> Onion, this one's easy. We we paid for a boat trip. Oh, and these boat guys are way too confident. <laughs> Shane, I didn't, i sorry, thinking about this, I was like, didn't even cross my mind that this would be the Onion, but of course it is. Yeah, and right before we left, Lorna brought up the idea of like, this is safe, right? Like you checked that this would be safe for kids. And we just assumed it would be. So I checked the website in a bit of a panic and I did get a little bit worried once she mentioned that. And then it says, okay, safe for children. We brought Lucy, a, <laughs> no, we brought Betty because Betty's very small. Even for a two-year-old, she's smaller than a normal two-year-old. So we brought her own life jacket that we brought on the trip with us. But then the guy, the boat, the boat was very small. For one, it could only fit at eight people. So it was uh, our family, which was five. And we met. For any boaters, I think it was called a Kiwi. So okay. it's like the long, like Kiwis a long are small front. too. Yeah. Like yeah. You, you can imagine a Kiwi. It's smaller <laughs> than a tennis ball. It was, But the boat was uh, tiny for what looked to be, it was a bit yeah. choppier that day. It was the only day that it was a little bit wavy. And we asked the guy, "Is it's not going to be choppy today. And he goes, oh, it, it will be a little choppy, but... <laughs> No big deal. It's fine. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, no big deal. It's fine. I hope he's the type that is saying it's no big deal for the passengers and not it's no big deal for me, a seasoned boater. So I gave him the benefit of the doubt. And where you're holding on to Betty, I've got my phone in my hand, my wallet, I'm wearing a hat. But he doesn't say anything about that. Not like brace yourself. No, and like you're like getting, you're gearing up to like take glamour shots of me and Betty on the boat oh, oh, as yeah. we're boating. Like we're going to make a photo shoot out of this. And he's like, hey, before we leave, check this out. And he, he shows us this huge cooler filled with beers and drinks. <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking, okay, this is like kind of a booze cruise. This Party is going to be fun and very chill. Cut to him firing up the motor. <laughs> and it felt like we were like going off ramps and and landing in the water and i thought i thought betty was going to fly off the boat yeah not exaggerating here each drop my like balls would go up into my throat <laughs> and, not exaggerating yeah it if i'm trying to describe if it, it actually felt like we were free falling and i jumped was jumping off a, a two-story building every time well we kind of were so like again I, you can't even see from the shore of the hotel you cannot tell that it even is a little bit choppy in the ocean right because it's so calm so i was so surprised by how big the swells were and i was facing like shane you were facing the oncoming waves right i was looking behind us which made everything feel a little bit less scary but i that could looked insane what you were doing no, what you were doing looked scary. And because I tried to look in front and I was like, holy shit, those are big waves. And it would just make me so scared. So I was better off looking behind, bracing Betty, holding onto the boat and leaving it like that. But the scariest part for me, another Kiwi boat came up beside us and you could see it. They're going, you know, as fast <laughs> as we are and they're going off waves, but they're getting air. Like It was being thrown around like a rag doll in the wind. Yes, it, it was like it was like if the boat was like the Tony Hawk video game and going off ramps, that's what the boat beside us was doing. So I was like, holy shit, that's what we're doing. Those people are looking at us and they're like, oh my God, those guys are getting air. So we're holding on to the freaking kids and we have another family that we convinced to split the boat ride with us and it's they have a little kid. boat ride. Yeah. And they're terrified. The woman who was... <laughs> 
the the biggest chatterbox, so kind, gift of gab, everything. She just shut the hell up and gripped on for dear life, oh which I was doing also. <laughs> it was very scary because this woman seemed fearless. It was yeah. like when you see the the flight attendant get worried uh-huh. and you start getting worried as a Absolutely. passenger because you're like, oh shit. And then we're you're laughing your head off, this nervous <laughs> laugh. And your mom is trying to keep it together. And I'm very proud of your mom because she kept it so cool. She but she really was cool. freaking out internally. Mm-hmm. But she's like, Alex, stop laughing. And you're like, ha, 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 I can't. <laughs> and, I'm, and then you, you don't stop laughing. So I, I go, Alex, stop laughing. You're like, why? I'm like, the guy thinks you're having fun. So he and you're like this like pretty blonde. And, and I'm he, the only person facing him. Everybody else is facing forward. I'm the only person facing backwards. Yeah. And you're holding a baby. It looks like you're having a blast. So he's like really going in the waves even more. And then I all I'm thinking is. Second we get off this boat, I'm getting a cab. I'm not having my family go through this. We're just screw the 800 bucks or however much it costs. We're just getting a cab and we're going back. And this is the end of this trip. I don't care because we're going to die. Right. And then it stops. And it's like, was that normal? He's like, that was nothing. He's He's like, that actually wasn't so bad for me. Like, could you not tell it was terrible for everyone else? He's just the most relaxed French dude, like salty sailor, like what, 30-year-old French dude? It, it is, and he's just like, well, it's it's going to be smooth sailing the rest of the trip because now we're going with the waves. I'm like, you promise? He's like, yes. <laughs> and to his credit, he was right. It was, was right. The rest of the trip was lovely and not even remotely close to that. Even on the way back, back when we had to hit a little bit of turbulence since i had already been through the worst hellish feeling i've ever felt in my life nothing could even get me scared again because i was so scared out of my mind already i couldn't get back to that fear level but it really was fine going back so it's like it was a little it would have been terrifying actually if we hadn't experienced the hell that was getting to the first part Mm -hmm. the the last half was I would say 20% as scary, but w- which that 20% would have terrified me have I not been scared out of my mind. I was actually peeing in my swim trunks. <laughs> I couldn't help it. It felt like, yeah, a bad turbulence in a plane is the best analogy. It was like that. It was like mm-hmm. that, but like really bad. Terrifying turbulence yeah. where you're waiting for the pilot to go brace for impact. That's what it was like. But I got the stops were nice. So our first stop where we hit land, <laughs> the it was stop like was great. land ho. And it was, it felt great because not only were we like, okay, we still have our lives, but we stopped at this little island called Tintamar. And it's like, you just imagine somewhere like Pirates of the Caribbean where they get stranded. And it's just that typical little point of caribbean land with a pristine yeah, it beach had no inhabitants yeah, yeah just totally natural there were sea turtles and everything like it was gorgeous and then we went to Pinal island which is like, it's got like restaurants on it it's a party island it's great for kids because it's so shallow but and the it was first amazing island, i'm just dying to get on land <laughs> and he's like huh, enjoy just don't go past don't touch any of the leaves they will burn you and don't touch the tree there's these little berries that will burn you <laughs> And don't basically touch anything because it will burn you. And I'm like, I don't give a shit. I'm getting on there. I'm, I just want to touch land. I just need to touch the ground. So but yeah, and he was so cool about everything burning everyone. And like we have a four-year-old. He has a little kid too. He had a one and a half-year-old. Oh, yeah, but he's one of those. He's just, he's cool with anything. 
It was nuts. And nothing bad will ever happen to that man. No, 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 no. Because he's comfortable with it. But see, you and I did a boat ride during our honeymoon, and I do not remember it being like that choppy. I'm wondering if it's because we were on a massive catamaran, of or course. do you think that was the we were on a huge wide boat yeah. that could handle waves and that could fit 50 people. This one could only fit eight people, mm-hmm. and it was like a chilled out booze cruise where I could have fallen asleep <laughs> on our honeymoon. I think we did at some point. Yeah, that was yeah. But okay, what was your onion? Okay, well, I haven't even given an apple. So I I think my apple was just the feeling of every morning when I woke up with like renewed energy because I was wiped at the end of the day. But I think waking up with new energy, making my espresso and just like listening to the ocean, just, you know, that relaxation. You love that hot French guy who put up the umbrella, the umbrella boy and telling me that he likes you and creating this weird jealousy (laughs) trap. And he was giving me the eye, Shane. Every day he was I giving me the eye. I behaved like that with a, a hot I wasn't behaving umbrella. anyway. I wasn't behaving anyway. I was just going about my business. He was giving me the eye every day. And I was telling you so that you would know that a young man was appreciating this. Would you appreciate it? And that you would appreciate it. it. Would you appreciate it if there was a 25-year-old <laughs> woman putting up beach umbrellas and I'm tipping her all the time. I wasn't tipping him. Oh, the man who wasn't attractive at all wasn't getting any tips. But the really attractive guy was getting a lot of tips. Who was I tipping? The the guy, the skinnier kid. Well, no, like we tipped the uh, people who got us drinks. I think my mom tipped the uh, umbrella boy. I'm telling I you, didn't. that guy made more tips than anyone. Okay, if I was <laughs> tipping a 25-year-old attractive young mm-hmm. woman... And then was like, oh, I think she likes me. What would you think of that? Well, I'd be jealous and possessive. And then I'd be like, he's mine. And then I'd probably get all hot for you. Mm -hmm. But I wasn't tipping him. I didn't. My mom took care of the tipping. I'm just saying it was your apple. That wasn't my apple, but fine. And my onion, but also apple. Okay. Okay. Was... This, okay, I'm saying onion because it was like annoying, but in a way where you just can't get enough and you want to see how it plays out. Running into that actor who didn't make room for me and the girls on the stairs. So, Oh, yes. Another influencer slash actor from the show Dynasty. Adam Huber. Yes. Huber's World. Yes. So he shows up and maybe, maybe my onion is that he showed up on our last day. So we didn't get to interact with them more, but he showed up on the day we were, the day before we were leaving with his girlfriend. And it was just like, the second they showed up, it was funny. Well, when we found out he was coming because the Grand Cas Beach Club put up an Instagram story and showing like they reposted something mm-hmm. he posted about it and we're like oh my god this big actor he had one point something million followers and he was on an american tv show is coming here it's gonna be fun to spy on him and his uh girlfriend Influencer. who was a, a tiktoker and everything and then i was like i have to see an interview with this guy <laughs> so i watch an interview with them and he's just being hilarious and pretentious and actory and he was like in the interview He's like, one of my favorite movies is Place Beyond the Pines with Ryan Gosling. I'd love a role like that. I actually have a tattoo from Place Beyond the Pines. And I'm just thinking, I know what it is. It's if you ride like lightning, you'll crash like thunder. 
I just know. Yeah. What? No, no, no. I thought it was going to be if you ride like thunder, you'll crash like lightning, but that's wrong. It's opposite. What did I say? No, what, what, you said if you ride like thunder, you'll crash like, like lightning. It was something like, <laughs> the point is, it was a tattoo about lightning and crashing and thunder. And I just knew that's what it was. Yeah. No, you and, called it so early. And I was just dying to see his tattoo on his back. But I know we're leaving. And then an hour before we leave, he comes to the the <laughs> bar, the beach bar. Cuts in front of me as I'm waiting to clear up our bill because we charge everything to the room. I'm just trying to settle up. But he goes right in front of me shirtless. Tries to butt. But I, I can't see his tattoo yet. And then the bartender goes to me. So he walks away. I pay the tab. But I'm like, fuck, I'm never going to see his back again. <laughs> so then I kind of like find an excuse to go near him as he's going down the stairs. I'm like, where is it? And then I see it. It's written vertically. It's not vertically. even. Vertically. It's a very weird. It's a little it's line. Like down his spine? No. Uh, down the this like, um, I don't know, fattier part of the back to okay. the right of his spine. And it's if you ride like lightning, you crash like thunder, whatever the fuck the saying is. It, it was what I predicted. And I felt so, I don't know, vindicated or whatever. And it was a good moment for me. That that might be my well, apple. I was <laughs> I was super happy that you called it and I loved hearing that. And it was like it was just really funny. Um, because we were snooping him out on Instagram and everything, right? Like I know we're gonna come off as like creeps in this. I don't care. Everybody does this, guys. We're just talking about it. But his Instagram is like, what does it say? I hate, I don't understand Instagram. Oh, he's, yeah, he's one of these guys. He pretends he doesn't know what Instagram, the appeal of Instagram, <laughs> or he doesn't know how to work it, even though he has 1.4 million followers. But, Instagram confuses me, is his caption. So we're sitting on our balcony, right? And we have a perfect view of the beach. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're looking at his Instagram and it confuses him. And he's acting above it all. But then we just see him and his girlfriend on the beach and he's, God, like he's given her his phone and he's directing her like with his hand yeah, movements his, and everything yeah. how to film he's him. He's framing it up. He's <laughs> yeah. got his hands. He's telling her. They've done like five takes already. So he just keeps running and diving into the water and then running back out of the water and looking at the footage and then doing it again and giving her more directions. And I saw him run into the water like five different times with like different poses. And it was really, it was just really funny. Yeah, he knows he's a really attractive man and yeah. Instagram is where he's going to do very well. It does not confuse him. He knows what he's doing. and He's it, playing the game. Even the interview that I, when we first found out about him and I was curious, so I looked up the interview. The first 10 seconds are the host walking up to him mm. and he's pretending to take a selfie of himself. <laughs> and he's like, oh, this is for Instagram. I'm just kidding. <laughs> so he's always stuff. playing like. I'm not one of those type of guys. You know? Oh, no, it was so funny. But the part that really got me, because I was like, oh, this guy doesn't seem like necessarily a good guy. I was holding Betty in one hand, holding Lucy's hand in the other hand. And we are about to go downstairs to go to the beach, like on the morning we're leaving. And this guy starts running up the stairs. You know, he's taking a break from the beach. He starts just motoring up the stairs. And then he's at the bottom. I'm at the top. And we look at each other and I assume that he's just going to let me buy because I'm like stuck with like two kids and like a bucket and towels and everything. But he just keeps going. So then I had to like backpedal up two steps and then get out of his way. Did he say hi or anything? He didn't say anything. We just nodded at each other. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, I think he, I don't think he's a mean guy. He's just. Not considerate. Un, no, I don't think he's a considerate guy. He's just the 
typical L.A. aloof, narcissistic (laughs) weirdo, and he wants to make it as an actor, and he cares about his body, and that's it. Yeah, yeah. He's not deep. He's surface level. That's just, you know, judgment of looking at him and observing him and watching a few hours of his interviews. I wonder uh, if his girlfriend is going to be tipping the umbrella boy. Yeah, that was your whole that made me upset, too, because (laughs) since, you know, this guy's very attractive and so is the umbrella guy. You're like, I wonder if it's going to make him super insecure being this like like (laughs) if, if he's going to feel like the umbrella guy is better than him. And I'm like, why aren't I in consideration for this competition? Because you're too manly for the umbrella guy. Yeah, I know It's what a that different means. kind of attraction. Yeah, you don't think I'm attractive. Oh, Shane, I think you're the most attractive. No, you don't. Yes, I do. They have a rule where you, you, <laughs> the rule? you, you have to, not, you can't wear beach attire at the beach bar. You have oh, right. to like not be all sandy and wet and everything. So I would go up and get us drinks and I put a shirt on. But when you went up to get drinks, you kept your bathing suit on, you were dripping. I didn't know this rule. You I know. told me. So after. I go, Alex, what are you doing? Why do you think I put my shirt on when I went up? And you go, I thought you were insecure. <laughs> and it just made me feel like, well, what do I have to be insecure about? <laughs> no. And then I see the French guy. He's like, <laughs> and the other Adam Hubert who has a 12 pack. I'm like, oh, okay. I no. see. I'm not these guys. Of course I'd be insecure, <laughs> no. right? Am I not those guys? I was confused about why you're putting on your shirt, but I wasn't going to ask you just in case it was like a comfort thing. I didn't want to make you feel uncomfortable, and I don't think you need to put on a shirt, obviously. Okay, let's get to our uh, first guest. Shane's hot. Thank you. Yeah, we've been talking for ever. I'm sure there's more to talk about, but... There's more. We'll think of it I'm later. When? I don't know another podcast. When it comes up, Shane, I'm going to be talking and fantasizing about this vacation for a yeah, while. Yeah, I bet. Okay. <laughs> Before we get to our first guest, let's tell everyone who we are supported by. We are supported by Mini Miyash, a premium, organic, ethically made, and sustainable kids and babies clothing company founded and created in Toronto. It's our home favorite. It is our home favorite, and not just for the kids anymore. They just came out with their first adult collection, the M and West collection for women. Let's not say adult. Yeah, it's for women. Are you jealous? You know I am. It is amazing. It's simple. It's sustainable, just like all the other clothes that they have. And it's just a simple, cozy French Terry collection. Like I wear it too often. And I absolutely love it. Shane, you really, you should be jealous. Well, I guess I can wear a woman's shirt. What's really the difference? Yeah. No, it's good. It's cozy. I'll share with you. Thank you. But their organic cotton fabrics are knit and dyed locally using GOTS certified organic cotton and low impact non-toxic dyes. And one day we are going to learn what GOTS certified means. We just know it's good. Yeah. If they're going to say all that, we just trust that it's something really special and awesome. It is because Mini Miyash believes in quality over quantity and they make the best basics for your littles and now women too. You know, fashionable wardrobe staples that are soft, comfy, timeless, and can be passed from kid to kid regardless of gender. So you know why, Shane? Because of that, I'm saying they are genderless sweats that I got. You can share them. I'll share them with you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and Mini Miyash is on a mission to leave the planet better off for our little ones than when they arrived on it. And they believe that every little bit counts. You're my little one. Aww. So you can find them online at minimiyash.com or at minimiyash on Instagram and Facebook. And if you use the promo code ThisFamilyTree15, you're getting 15% off your order. <laughs> 
This is available in Canada and in the U.S., and that is minimiosh.com and This Family Tree 15. And now let's get to our interview with Tabay Atkins. Tabay, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I am so excited to talk to you. Like, I'm reading about you, man, and looking at your face on Nike, and it is wild what you've done. And your resume is so long. So I'm curious, if you're meeting somebody for the first time, you're meeting me for the first time, what do you introduce yourself as? What do you start with? Master, yogi? Well, if I'm about to introduce myself, I'll make sure I have some nice uh, soothing tea afterwards for my throat because I'll be talking for a while. (laughs) (laughs) What's your go-to tea? So, you know, I just tell them about uh, being, I'm a yoga teacher, uh, the youngest yoga teacher in America, a vegan chef, a Nike athlete, a Reiki master, plant-based nutrition specialist, and a food truck owner. A food truck owner? Yes. See, that's the only one I didn't know about. Do you have a vegan food truck? I do. I have a vegan food truck. It's not ready yet, but it's going to be soon. That's wild. And what city are you going to do that out of? In Capistrano Beach. So that's in the San Clemente, Dana Point area. Incredible. My mom and I also own a gas station. Uh, My grandpa has been in the gas station business for over 50 years and finally retired as of the first, January 1st, he retired, and he gave my mom and I one of his stations. So we're going to be having the food truck there most of the time, wow. unless we're at an event or doing catering. That's amazing. That is amazing. And, and wildly different than yoga and Reiki, too. I like that. You're diversifying yeah. the portfolio. But right. I want to get into your yoga journey, because like for me, I mean, I... I'm no yogi. I, I would never call myself a yogi, but I do enjoy doing yoga a lot. And it really, when I do it regularly, which for me is maybe like once a week, I do feel the difference. But I want to know about your yoga journey because like I didn't get into it until I was like 17, 18. Then I dabbled more in university. But you're only 16 right now? Yes. And you're a yoga, like you're a professional yogi. So I'd love to know your yoga story because I know it is very intertwined with your mother's health journey as well. Yes, it is. Uh, That's actually how we discovered yoga. We knew nothing about yoga. I know nothing about yoga. My mom has heard of it, but she had a misconception as to what it was. She thought you just sit in a dark room with your eyes closed. (laughs) Meditation kind of, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Even meditation is is way beyond that. (laughs) So she had cancer when I was six years old. She had stage three non-Hodgkin's lymphoma cancer. She was misdiagnosed for eight months and that really uh, made it where she had to take intensive treatment and she was really broken down from all the treatment and having cancer, physically and emotionally. Mm -hmm. So she beat cancer when I was seven years old and she was just two weeks cancer-free and got into yoga for the first time. Not because she wanted to heal through yoga. She didn't know what yoga was. And she actually had this misconception as to what it was. But it's kind of a long and complicated story of how she got into it. Because when just two weeks cancer-free, no yoga experience at all, she got into a 200-hour teacher training. And in that 200-hour teacher training, so that was about two and a half months of training, I was there by her side the whole time, not taking the training, just being there. because uh, uh, So I could help her you know, if she needed props. Because she was so broken down, she couldn't even walk on her own. She couldn't bend or straighten her knees. So I was there helping her and uh, just being in the corner with like a coloring book or something. But I was paying attention during the training as well. 
And I noticed that after the training was done in the two and a half months, she was completely better. She could walk on her own again. She was back to her healthy, happy self, but even better. And that really uh, surprised me. So that was my first introduction to yoga and her first introduction. And that's what inspired me to become a teacher. So I wanted to be a teacher so I could help other people heal like yoga helped heal her. Wait, Tabe, Tabe, hold on. Because you, you inspired me to be a teacher, but you were seven when this was happening. I was. So most, most of the time people get into yoga by taking some classes. And then after having a yoga practice in their personal life, they decide eventually to become a teacher. Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to be a teacher even before I started practicing yoga. And yeah, I was seven. And, you know, I have like the title of youngest yoga teacher in America and actually youngest 500 hour certified yoga teacher in the world. But really, I didn't want to become certified to become the youngest. I just happened to be seven years old when I got introduced to yoga and realized that this was my calling, my dharma. So for you, it was seeing what yoga could do for people and the benefits of it. And you wanted to be able to help people find that. I did. So I now realize my, because at that time, my dharma, what I saw my dharma was, was teaching yoga and helping people in their wellness journey through yoga. But now with the cooking and the Reiki and the nutrition and all these other things that I'm doing, and who knows what I'm going to be doing later, it makes more sense now. I understand it's not just yoga, it's wellness. Mm -hmm. But I was introduced to this wellness through yoga. And through my mom healing from the effects of cancer and treatment through yoga. So I took yoga and through yoga, I've learned about veganism. Um, I incorporated that into cooking. I learned about nutrition and I learned about Reiki. So I'm using all these things that I've discovered to help people uh, stay well and healthy. So do you practice and like, I could be way off here, but you know, saying, you know, that was my Dharma. You're, I know Buddhism is very you know, they don't want to hurt animals. It's very conscious of that. Are you a practitioner of Buddhism? I'm not. But, you know, I practice yoga. And, you know, some people think yoga is a religion and some people think yoga is not a religion. Uh, I'm going to make this clear. Yoga is a religion. But yoga is also a physical practice. So there's two things. People think yoga is a religion. People think yoga is a physical practice. Yoga has a physical practice, but it's way more than the physical stuff. To have a physical practice of yoga, you don't need to be of any certain religion, and it won't interfere with a current religion, religious belief that you have right now. Um, it's just a physical practice. Like, it's like, like saying you have to have a certain religion to go to the gym and do mm-hmm. exercise. But really, I've learned so much about, and I've taken so much from what I've learned in yoga philosophy and the history and all of that, that I've really taken and um, really been inspired by and also teach that as well in my yoga teachings because yoga is a great practice to do to help teach people life skills, how to deal with stress. That's a big thing that we learn in yoga. And also, you know, yoga has its pillars. It has the eight limbs of yoga. A main one, which are the yamas and niyamas, the main one of those is ahimsa. Um, almost every yogi and yoga teacher knows about ahimsa because that's just how big it is in the yoga practice. Ahimsa being nonviolence is most often interpreted as not harming other people uh, physically or verbally and also not harming yourself. 
But what I have realized in my yoga journey is that it's way more than that. And that's where the plant-based diet and veganism have come in. Uh, it's all about not harming the animals. It's about not harming the planet. And of course, not harming yourselves and others. And I think having a vegan diet and lifestyle is such a comprehensive way to achieve all those things. Because by being vegan, you're not harming the animals for obvious reasons. You're not harming yourself because the foods you eat are healing you rather than harming you with that, uh, unhealthy foods. You're not harming the environment because, you know, so much of uh, climate change and uh, the bad environmental uh, situation that we've put ourselves in is due to animal agriculture. And you're not harming others because, you know, a lot of people are affected by animal agriculture. No, absolutely. And, you know, so this is this is huge thought, you know, to be doing as a young person is very conscious thought, very critical of your lifestyle and how you want to make that change, how you want to implement the best version of yourself. And I, like, I am involved in education. I see teenagers all the time. This is definitely different thinking than I often see at the high school level. Um, and I'm just like, I'm curious, the dedication that it takes just to even do one session of yoga and the focus and the mind control is a lot, you know, coming from somebody like me who does it. I'm a, a yoga lay person. Like I do it very infrequently. And what does it take to become a professional yogi, to become a 500 hour pro? Like what is involved in that? So, you know, it, it, like you said, it takes lots of dedication. That's for sure. And I was very dedicated. So you see, that, that's how I got, that's how I became the youngest, not to be the youngest, but because I was so dedicated to reaching my dream and my mission. So you can get many various yoga certificates in ranging from all sorts of yoga. Yoga has evolved so much, especially in recent times, um, and has really diversified and, you know, changed a lot because, you know, if yoga stayed the way it has been, it wouldn't be alive today. It's changed and has been able to stand the test of time and really be relevant in today's world. You can get those certificates, but if you want to teach yoga, you have to have your 200-hour certificate in any kind of yoga. 200-hour certificate in any kind of yoga to teach any kind of yoga. But of course, if you want to do good, you'll have your 200-hour and in what you want to teach or just a 200 hour and get certified in specialty yogas of what you want to teach. I had been certified before I was 200 hours cert uh, certified. So I got my first certificate at seven years old. Um, and because after my mom beat cancer and took her training, she was inspired too, but in a different way. She was inspired to bring this to children because she saw how it helped her so much, not just physically, but also emotionally and how it helps you deal with stress. She wondered why kids don't have it. She didn't have it when she was a kid and so many kids don't have this practice that really helped her and can really help kids. So she opened up the first kids yoga studio in Orange County and started getting specialty kids yoga certificates because she could start teaching kids. She had a 200 hour, but kids, most kids won't really enjoy a vinyasa class. <laughs> so she got certified specialty certificates in kids yoga. I was going with her all over as she was getting her training and I was getting certified myself as well. So I got my, uh, my yoga for kids on the autism spectrum at age seven. I got wow. circus yoga level one, circus yoga level two. What else? Uh, I got my 
I have aerial yoga, I have restorative yoga, yoga for cancer patients and survivors, that's a recent one, and has been really something that I'm so happy to be knowledgeable in because this all happened because my mom had cancer. And this is something that is really close to my heart and important for me in what I do. I got my 200 hour vinyasa certificate at age 10. Right after getting that certificate, I started teaching my own classes. So I was kind of like, you know, the teacher's assistant. I was helping my mom out as she was teaching the after school programs, teaching at her studio, teaching the summer camps. But when I got certified, then I started teaching my own classes. And, you know, my, her training was 200 hours and my training was 200 hours. Her training was two and a half months. My training was 16 days. Wait, for 200 hours? Wait, wait, wait. Yeah, wait. they're both 200 hour trainings, but mine was 16 days. So wait, training. how I'm terrible at math today. <laughs> how many hours a day is that? Now, let me see. I'm what? trying to remember now. So it was from 8 a.m., I believe, 8 a.m. to 6 or 7 p.m., uh, with the one hour break in between, snack and lunch breaks as well, uh, and sliced in the middle by a midterm. Oh, my goodness. Okay. And- yeah. Like, again, this dedication, is it something that was inherent in you or is it something that you learned along the way? Because I know that yoga helps people to kind of tune into that and zone in on what you want to do. So, like, I'm just, I'm honestly just trying to picture like a seven, eight-year-old kid. I have an eight-year-old niece. I have a four-year-old daughter. And they're wild. They're wacky. You can't give them something for more than 10 minutes. So was that always in you? Did you show dedication in other aspects of your life beforehand or was it learned through practice? Now, well, now that I'm thinking about it, this is something that I really thought much about before. But, you know, I've been enrolled in a lot of things before yoga was a big part of my life, but nothing that really was me and that I stuck to. Mm-hmm. So I was enrolled in every sport imaginable. I played uh, soccer. I played baseball. I played basketball. I played golf. I played all of those things before yoga. And then after I, I did a bit of uh, tennis and cricket was my favorite. Uh, so I've done all those things and played uh, also instruments. I've played lots of instruments before because it was required in school. But I was never dedicated in those things because those weren't things that I really, those weren't my really passions. But I found yoga and I realized right away that that's what I wanted to do. That was my dharma. I realized it. and. If someone told me, go be a yoga teacher, here's your training, I probably wouldn't be that interested, that dedicated, because that's not something that I am authentically choosing to do myself. But I'm the one that created this path of mine. So usually if you find something that you're passionate in, you're dedicated in it. And sometimes you lose dedication if you realize, okay, maybe I'm not too passionate about this, but at least you try and learn a thing or two. But yeah, I was pretty dedicated, started teaching my own classes at 10 years old. And not just that, because I wanted to start teaching to help people physically in their healing process. And uh, especially cancer, because that, you know, ties into my story. So I also wanted to help financially. So all the money I made uh, from my classes, I was teaching weekly donation-based classes, so all the money I made from those, all the money I made from appearances, all the money I made from uh, events, I gave 100% of it to people who have cancer. That's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, that's amazing. And, you know, I like how you talk about dedication kind of being a calling, like a vocation. 
something that, you know, once you find it, you're in it. And it reminds me of my husband. So he, not academically inclined, was not his thing. But he's a very smart man. And he was a smart kid when he was in high school. But he just didn't care about showing up to any of his classes. And he'd spend all day and all night doing all the announcements and making all these like funny videos and everything. And now he's a director and producer and very successful at what he does and incredibly driven, incredibly driven. And it's amazing to see. And it's amazing to see how somebody can, once they find that vocation, that calling, just how successful they can be. Because like, no doubt you are obviously incredibly successful. And one thing I wanted to touch on in when it comes to yoga, because, you know, you mentioned you teach yoga to kids, to cancer patients, to survivors, lots of different groups. Yes. And I think that sometimes, you know, you mentioned your mom had misconceptions about yoga before she got into it. And I think that a lot of people do, including myself sometimes. And often when I picture yogis, I picture women who look like me, like, you know, maybe with a couple kids, maybe on mat leave or like doing okay, like middle class, upper middle class, and they go and do it. And it's something that costs a lot of money, something that you have to have all the gear for. And it seems sometimes like it can kind of be inaccessible. And I want your take on that. What you said right there reminded me of something, something that I haven't really heard for a long time, but I used to hear a lot. Yoga is for women. Mm-hmm. that's something that I, I used to hear all the time. That was the number one misconception about yoga during that time. And, you know, I haven't, I, I, now it's gotten better. People know a lot more about yoga because in recent years, like around the beginning of when I started teaching yoga, it wasn't mainstream. Now it is. And before, you know, everyone, Almost everyone, number one thing is, oh, yoga's for women, yoga's for girls. Um, But really, and I haven't used this for a while, I haven't had to, but I'm going to use it right now. Yoga was created by men for men and modified for women. Okay. That's something that that a lot of people were really shocked to hear because it's been something that has been, you know, so everyone assumes that yoga is a, a woman's activity, like doing yoga... There's all the yoga clothes that are targeted towards women. But really, this is such a practice that, as we see now and we see in early history, it's so diverse. It reaches all, 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 um, all people. Yeah. Well, when I, you know, when I think about the inaccessibility and I, I think about, I think mainly like the financial commitment that sometimes it, it seems like it takes. But then I saw a video of you doing like chair yoga on the yes. Drew Barrymore show. And I was like, this is yoga for the people. This is accessible. And I want your take on that because clearly you are trying to make yoga accessible for, you know, whether you're at the studio, whether you're at home or whether you're in an office chair and just need to move. Exactly. You know, like you said, a lot of people think yoga is expensive. I'm going to be honest. Yoga is expensive. It can be expensive, but it doesn't always have to be. So, of course, like you could get like the expensive, all these, all the props that you need. You could uh, get all these. You don't even need a mat really to do yoga. All you need is you. Mm-hmm. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. But yoga can be expensive. It cannot be expensive too. There's so many 
inexpensive ways to practice yoga. But, you know, yoga is so accessible financially and, you know, accessible for people of all schedules, all, you know, what their, how their schedule and times are each day. Um, and what I was teaching on that Drew Barrymore show segment was by doing the chair yoga, there was a few things that I wanted people to know. I wanted to do that so people know that yoga is accessible. You can do it anywhere. Yoga is, it's so convenient. You can do it. I just showed you, you could do it in a chair. Yeah. You can do it, I could do, start doing a whole yoga sequence right now sitting here. <laughs> so a lot of people are working from home. A lot of people have been and a lot of people still are. We are sitting down way too much. Big time. We need to be active. I wanted to teach people, you can be active and stay seated to make it even more appealing and convenient. So people, if you're sitting uh, at your desk, sitting at your chair at home working, you can still stay active and get the physical activity you need and deserve without getting up. So you can just scoot forward in your chair a little bit and do a bit of uh, some movements, keep your spine mobile so you can, um, you know, stay healthy, keep your spine strong, such an important part of your body that you need to take care of. Chair yoga is such a great practice for people who are working a lot and working in a chair for people who are who don't have much time and for people who aren't as mobile as well mm-hmm. no that's that's amazing and honestly I cannot get through a day without doing like big stretches toe touches cannot get through a day because it, it kills you and you feel yeah. it like I'm feeling it right now like I've I've had a long one today and I'm I'm feeling it. And after this, you're I'm not gonna be inspired because I am exhausted to do like a full yoga flow, but right. I am gonna lengthen my stretching after this for sure. Yeah. Is it true? Okay. Did you did you teach the Kardashians yoga? I did, yes. What <laughs> how did this happen? Um, I was recommended by someone who worked with them. And so I was, yeah, I was a yoga teacher. Like for a session? No, it was, it was like a, a weekly thing. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So how does that feel? Like as a young person, and I know you're completed high school now, but early, I might add. But what, what's that like to be, you know, teaching, not just hanging out with, but teaching, showing some of the most well-known people in the world and then kind of going back to the other side of your life you know which is with your mom or with friends or whatever how do you it's a it's a crazy thing to me to picture how to balance so you know it's i'm grateful for these opportunities whether it's the kardashians or any other people with big platforms one reason is because people who share their platform with me and allow me to guide them in their own practice, but also share it through their large platform. I'm really grateful because that helps me do even better with my mission of getting yoga out there and inspire pe- inspiring people. The more people that hear about me, the more people that I inspire to stay healthy and well uh, through whatever practice they want to use to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm specialized in so many different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, Hire me and you choose. How do you want to stay healthy? <laughs> okay, like, so just thinking about all these things, because you've achieved so much at such a young age. And I mean, like, geez, I still consider 25 a young age. Like, I'm 33. 
But 16, I felt like a baby. Looking back on it at that time, I felt like an invincible adult. But looking back on it, I felt like a baby. And I was dealing with, you know, the pressures of high school, of competitive basketball, of friends, social stuff, relationships. And with that, I felt pressure, right? I felt pressure to maintain straight A's, things like that in school. Well, you know, that's why my mom wanted to bring yoga to kids because kids are going through as much normal everyday stress as adults. Mm -hmm. And adults do yoga all the time. There's a yoga studio on every block and adults do it for one main reason, not one reason, but one of the main reasons is to de-stress and deal with the stress that you have because yoga doesn't get rid of your stress. Yoga gives you the tools to properly deal with it and, and sustainably deal with it. But yoga was, is, was so targeted to adults and not at all to kids. She wanted to bring it to kids so they have the tools to go with all the things that they go through. Now, but what makes Tabay feel pressure? Does anything make you feel that stress? Because again, you've completed and you're achieving so much at a young age. Do you ever feel pressure to do more, to be better than next year? How does that work for you? What does that feel like? So let's see. Pressure. Well, if I ever do feel pressure, if I ever do feel stress, I'm in the right industry. <laughs> um, it's perfect. I just, I just uh, book myself for a little meditation or breathing session, yoga session. And um, yoga is such a great way to deal with pressure because, because I have a lot going on. I'm doing a lot. Yeah. So if I was to say that I'm in a position where I would not feel pressure or stress ever, that would be a lie. But I know since I'm in this world of yoga and mindfulness and wellness, I know when I need a break. I know when I need to de-stress and I know how. A lot of times the reason stress gets out of hand is because we're still working, we're still going and ignoring the stress or not dealing with it properly and sustainably. So being able, one of the things I teach in yoga in the, in the, on the mat, being able to really be in tune with your body and your mind and not ignoring the signs that your mind and your body are giving you. If you need a break, you need a break. You should always make time for yourself. I think the important thing that you mentioned there is that it's a skill. Knowing how to deal with stress and say, hey, I'm getting to that point where I think I'm getting the screws going to get loose. That's a skill to recognize and then to treat. Exactly. It's really hard too. If you, you know, if, especially if you, the, the longer you've been on this planet, the more conditioned you are. And if you are conditioning yourself in a way where you just ignore stress or push it down, that's going to be bad for you. You know, our mental health and our physical health are so interconnected that when one goes down, you can't stay, stay healthy all, the, all together. You have to be mentally well and you have to be physically well and emotionally well. All these things tie together and work together. So it would be wrong to ignore our mental health and just focus on staying physically well because you can be physically well on the outside, but on the inside, that really that chooses what, how you're going to be uh, health-wise. So yoga is such a great thing. That's like I, like I said, it's not just a physical practice. There's so much that yoga teaches. The physical practice of yoga is actually just the, the, the first step. It's an important step, but it's the lowest step of our yoga goal in our yoga staircase. The physical practice is there to set a pace for breathing. 
all of us who practice yoga know that yoga, the physical movements in the breath, the breath is very important. We don't say five more seconds in this pose. We say five more breaths. We always focus on the breath. The movement of the body, having an even and consistent inhale, exhale movement of the body, that's to set a pace for breath. Because it's easier to regulate a physical movement than it is the breath. When we're moving at a consistent pace, we can know when to breathe in and out because, you know, up, in, uh, down, out. Or if you're opening up, you're breathing in. If you're closing, you're breathing out. The movement kind of cues the breath, but also gives it a pace. Now, the consistent pace of breath is there to facilitate steady mind and focus because it's way easier to regulate a physical movement than the breath. And it's way easier to regulate the breath than it is the movements of the mind. And why we want to have a steady mind and focus is to help us be more present. So if you're not regulating the breath in uh, or the movement in the practice, it's going to be really hard to regulate your mind. And we regulate our mind uh, for focus. And so we can be more objective and aware in and of the present moment. So that helps us know when we're feeling stress. So being aware in the present moment and of the present moment, we're able to have the tools to deal with stress and know when stress is there, um, especially during the mindfulness and meditation exercises we do in yoga. It really helps for that. And being objective and aware is really uh, good for seeing the whole picture of everything. So for stress in this case, you know, you understand that you're stressed you understand um, if it's because you're overwhelmed you understand what's going on and you're able to deal with it properly because one you know it's there two you're able to go through that stressful situation with a clear mind and that really helps because when our mind is full and we're having stressful thoughts it's because there are thoughts in our mind that are stressful thoughts thoughts that are making us stressed and we are identifying with those thoughts. If we identify with thoughts of sadness, with thoughts of anger, with thoughts of frustration, we are latching onto those thoughts and believing them. But really, our thoughts are a product of our mind, but they are not us. We don't want to push thoughts away, but we also don't want to pull them in. Thoughts are healthy, we don't want to stop thinking, Uh, Thoughts are a healthy product of a healthy organ, the brain doing what it does. All right, Tabay, we're going to take a quick break and let our listeners know who we're supported by. We are supported by True Earth. And if you listen to our podcast, you know that we are in the process of, you know, just trying to be better stewards of the planet and reduce our environmental footprints. I'm the ultimate steward. My nickname used to be Stuart in high school. (laughs) hey they can't all be home runs you know this is an improv show a little bit so well one way we're doing this Stuart, call me stewie is through eliminating single-use plastics in our household and with two kids it can be tough especially when it comes to laundry because you know there is so much between the four of us and our laundry room was looking like a detergent bottle graveyard they were everywhere there was soap all over the floor it was a mess but then we discovered true earth laundry detergent like what almost a year ago and we haven't looked back 
the detergent comes in these pre-measured soluble strips. So it's like it's dry and they Ooh. come in little like a little paper package, tiny. And you just simply rip them apart, toss them in the machine. What? <laughs> little paper package, tiny. <laughs> I like that. Sorry. Did you? But look, it's easy. It's neat. It does the job. Your clothes come out smelling great. They're clean. And then it keeps your laundry room looking so tidy. Yeah, and then you just throw the clothes on the floor in your bedroom and never put them away. Perfect. And then you just do the cycle again once they get dirty. Yeah. It's really amazing and practical. Uh, and as a family with kids who have super sensitive skin, Betty has pretty bad eczema, we usually go for the baby detergent because it's fragrance-free, gentle on skin, but it's still so tough on dirt. And more recently, they put out their lilac breeze scent, which is, you know, for things that Betty's not going to be wearing. Oh, man, we love this new scent. And it's still super gentle on our skin. So check out True Earth. You will love this product. Take my word for it. And you can look them up on true.earth. And if you use the promo code thisfamilytree10, you're getting 10% off your order. And this can be even your subscription. So again, that is true.earth and thisfamilytree10. But we are also supported by... Bravado Designs. Bravado Designs makes some of the best bras... That you can get your hands Some on. Some of. I say they're all the best. They are all the best. We got introduced them. And I say we because Shane was the one to bring them home for the first time. Bring one home for the first time. Yeah, I brought them in. I remember the day. You do? You no. Know. But I, I remember walking in and saying, hey, catch this, breasts. And <laughs> you just, you weren't wearing a top at the time for some reason. And you just threw your arms through. It latched, it clipped on or strapped on perfectly. It's like a Disney princess story. Yes. And you were just happy ever since. Well, I wasn't wearing a top because my nipples were so chapped and sore ah, from breastfeeding. Why. It was really painful. I couldn't have even the slightest fabric. But when I started wearing Bravado Designs, honestly, it just, it made things easier easier they were so comfortable they're practical easy to use like it didn't go on magically but it may as well have because it's like it's just easy and how are your nipples right now they feel great because bravado designs now has an everyday collection so these are bras not just from nursing mothers but to wear to you know out when you're not breastfeeding a kid they're amazing you have the same comfort that i got used to with the nursing bras and just great silhouettes for underneath a t-shirt or a worktop, whatever. So you can go and get your hands on these nursing bras at bravadodesigns.com or you can head to the Canadian website for access to the everyday collection at ca.bravadodesigns.com. But regardless of which website you go to, Use the promo code ThisFamilyTree20 and you're getting 20% off your whole order. Again, that is bravadodesigns.com and ThisFamilyTree20. <laughs> Sorry, I'm thinking about your nipples. I was thinking about making a joke. Okay, Shane, we'll save it for next time. And now we will go back to our interview with Tabay. Would you, are you then are always striving, and again, correct me if I'm wrong, but you're always striving for that positivity mindset. So it's like you see those thoughts, you feel them, and then you you try to get to that positive place or? That could be two things. So that could be seeing the positive in every situation. That could be changing a negative situation into a positive situation with mindset, or which are both good things. Or it could be a negative thing of toxic positivity, which is something I just recently learned about. Where in negative situations we are trying to block those negative emotions and thoughts with positivity mm -hmm. um, which can be well just think about it it's not 
we all know it's not a good thing to do when we are being negative in a positive situation. The same thing goes the other way around. If it's a negative situation, if we're using positivity to block what's real and natural, that's not healthy. So that's where the objectiveness and awareness comes in, where we know, you know, the reason we don't like negative emotions and thoughts is because we, we label them as bad. They may be negative, but they're not bad. They're not good either. Good and bad are illusions of perception. So really, and that's something, you know, that's a Buddhist teaching, shunyata, emptiness, uh, that I've learned through yoga, where everything is empty of, our, of the labels our perception gives it. Um, so if we think, you know, being happy is good and being stressed and frustrated is bad, let's stay happy even if we're frustrated. That's because our good and bad labels, we're always trying to move to good. But really, positive and negative aren't good and bad. Positive is positive, negative is negative, and good, positive is not good, negative is not bad. See, I'm glad we're talking about this because this is me. Toxic positivity. My house can be on fire. The world could be burning and I will be running around high anxiety telling everybody it's fine. It's fine. And trying to find some kind of positive thing out of it. But everybody knows that it's baloney and including myself. And I need to and my husband and I talk about it all the time on this podcast, but I need to recognize and not be scared away by the negative because like you said exactly. it isn't bad but sometimes the stress of you know running a business having a show having two kids in the house and just everything it can get stressful and a lot of our audience uh, I can tell you today they are feeling the stress of the last couple of years and yes. I'm hoping that you can maybe share just a way that if we are at home what is at work, at wherever, what is a way that, you know, somebody listening to this can maybe something they can take with them to help them de-stress throughout the day? Something to de-stress throughout the day. So one is to, you know, when you're feeling stressed, don't block it, don't ignore it, and don't deny it. If you are feeling stressed, there are, no t there are no ifs, ands, or buts about it. There are no two ways about it. You are stressed. So you can either continue being stressed and do all the things that you have to do and get nowhere except have even more stress, or you can just take a brief pause. All you need is just a second. Sometimes you can even do it as you're still trying to run through all the millions of things you're doing. But all you need is a second to pause. And just recenter. You can do breathing exercises. You can do meditations. These are all in the yoga toolbox that we have accumulated all these tools over our yoga journey to help deal, help us deal with stress. So you could do a breathing exercise, a meditation, just some sort of grounding activity. That way you're not still running through all the things you're doing stressed. Because when you're stressed, that's not good for you. You won't be able to be as effective and efficient in what you're trying to do. And really, why would we want to be stressed? If we cannot be stressed, why would we, why would we not take that opportunity to be not stressed? We can still do it. We don't have to stop doing everything that we have to do and de disconnect from the world. You can if you want, but really, you don't have to. Like, it reminds me of a misconception about meditation. Some people think that to meditate, you have to be in a white robe, in a cave, in a cave, in a mountain far, far away to meditate. Really, you can meditate anywhere. There's, you can meditate anywhere, 
anytime and in so many different ways. There's hundreds of ways to meditate. And, you know, meditation has evolved just like yoga to fit our modern world. Because if these ancient practices stayed the way they were, they would not be relevant today and they would just be gone. But they have evolved to match the needs that we have. So would it be considered meditation? Every single night when my four-year-old, she has a hard time going to bed and I say, close your eyes, breathe, and think about all the nice things that happened today or all the good things or all the fun times that you had today in hopes that it'll help her sleep, which is something it, it often does. Would that be like a basic meditation? I do that every night. There you go. So there, it works then. Okay. I call it, uh, I call it highlights. So at the end of the, I, well, let me start from the beginning. My routine, which I would encourage others to try as well, I think it's a very good practice, is to start your day with a gratitude meditation. So the second I open my eyes, um, or I even keep them closed, the second I'm awake, uh, I do a short gratitude meditation. That gratitude meditation is where I'm just going in my head through all the things that I'm grateful for that morning. That's a beautiful way to start your day because it already sets your mind up for success. If you're starting your mind po- if you're starting your day with a positive mind, what could go wrong? <laughs> you, you're going to have the rest of the day with that mindset, and you know you always come back to it. If you're ever feeling stressed or worried, you go back to your gratitude meditation. Oftentimes, we're feeling stressed or frustrated or sad. It's because we're thinking of all the negative. I'm not saying bad. All the negative, and not focusing on the positive because there's always something to be positive about. There's always something to be grateful for. But when we're focusing on all the negative things, then of course we're going to be negative. Of course we're going to be stressed. But then going back to highlights, at the end of my day, I also do a highlight meditation where I go through all the highlights of my day. See, that's like right up my alley. And if it's been a, stress, if it's been a stressful day, there's always going to be a highlight. And the main one every day is I'm alive. I'm here. I'm healthy. And, you know, there's always always something to be grateful for always something positive that happens in a day no i feel the same way and i like that i like that so much and one thing that we'll do like coming home from a family vacation or something is uh apples and onions so what's the apple what's a really sweet thing that happened and what's an onion so it's not necessarily bad but it's a little sour or bitter right and then yeah talking about it yeah because you know there's always, there's always something to be positive about. There's always positivity. There's always negativity as well. Yes. Life is not perfect. But really, everything is perfect. Um, I'm going to refer to a quote that I saw recently. Everything in the universe is perfect, including your desire to... Wait, everything is perfect, including your desire to improve it. I love it. I love it. I love that so much. And to be the last question that I want to ask you, you know, you're a young person who's doing so much, who is achieving goals, setting goals at an astonishing pace. And you really have high hopes for yourself, for those around you. And then I think it seems like for the world at large. As a parent myself, like I want to be there to support my kid in whatever it is, if it's yoga, if it's throwing darts, if it's watercolors. I don't care. I want to support them. And you at 16 going through it right now, what is something that you could say to parents 
hey, this is the best way to support your kid? Like in what way do you like to be supported? Are you supported or could be supported? So I think the one thing that I've seen also a lot of parents doing, um, which are kind of holding their kids back a bit in various aspects that I've seen. The one thing to remember is that kids are young, which means they are less conditioned than adults. So adults have been here longer than kids. Kids are fresh, kids are new. And they are new to this world and have a, have a more, they have less of a set and conditioned perception of things. So oftentimes they see things that adults don't even see or notice. So it's important not to let your own conditioning block your kids in doing what they think is right. So for example, um, I've inspired lots of uh, kids and young people to go vegan. And you know, they want to go vegan, they're ready to go vegan. But the one thing that is, that is not make, that's making them not go vegan, the hardest part for them to go vegan is their parents. And that's kind of sad. So if, because like the, well, oftentimes parents make excuses for the kids why they shouldn't go vegan and try to make the kids believe that they should not go vegan. But really, you know, the kids, they, they see things cl more clearly because if we've been conditioned to a way of life for so long, it's going to seem normal. And, and, and the, the not normal new, the not normal alternate approach, you know, might not be compatible with this conditioning. So in a sense, yoga is what I'm teaching is trying to uncondition you. That's the practice of unconditioning your mind and being objective. So really, <clears throat> if your kids want to do something, if your kids have a dream and want to reach that dream, I would say it's a great thing to, you know, it's a great thing to support them in their journey and in their mission of what they want to do. Um, because oftentimes they see things that adults might miss because of the way that we have been programmed to see things. But my, you know, I've been lucky that my mom has been very supportive of me, my whole journey from wanting to be a yoga teacher at seven to going vegan to everything else that I've been doing. So I'm very lucky. And I am just here to inspire others, kids and adults, people of all ages and all backgrounds to do what they love and also to stay healthy and well. And I think I'm a really good inspiration for people who, are, who have a dream but don't want to achieve it because, you know, it's not normal or, you know, it's, it's unusual or if they, if they want to use their voice for something that they believe in. But if it's not popular belief, maybe holding back because, you know, people aren't going to like it. Really, if you believe in something or you want to do something, what else is stopping you? Today, I, I, I think yeah. you're hitting the nail on the head, whereas adults don't like change. They like comfort because, you know, probably they worked hard to get to a place. They like whatever their status quo is. And kids come in, like you said, with less conditioning. They have zero fear, only curiosity. And I think you are such a great inspiration for us to find that curiosity, to embrace change, to embrace wellness and embrace the betterment of ourselves, of those around us. And again, like, you know, the world at large, I think 
it's it's phenomenal news like newsflash you did you know this <laughs> this is not new but you really are and you're so good at expressing that very eloquently and I want to thank you so much for sitting with me but where can people go where can they find you on socials on the internet like follow along do yoga whatever yeah I think the best place to find me is on Instagram my Instagram handle is at Tabay Atkins <clears throat> And that's where I post all the things that I'm doing. I teach classes on there. I post updates on, you know, all the projects that I'm working on, like food truck, for example, or, you know, yoga um, and everything, everything me. So that's the best way to find more about me and what I'm doing. Any uh, updates as well. Wait, do we have a food truck name yet? Yes, the food truck. It's called Tabay's Mindful Kitchen. I love that. That's great. So Tabay's Mindful Kitchen. Guys, keep your eyes out. It also out. has an Instagram which is today's mindful kitchen well i'm glad we brought this up that's the best guys go follow that go check it out today thank you so much and best of luck with absolutely everything that you, you are doing it. this was such a joy in my day sitting down to talk with you i really appreciate it thank you thank you for having me oh of course anytime today it was so nice meeting you thank you and i would like to end with my uh, mantra this is how i end all my classes and i think it's a really great thing for people to you know, take with them throughout their day Think good thoughts. Should I be doing, wait, 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 wait. Am I following along? Am I saying anything? For sure. If you want, you can follow along with me. Okay. Yeah. Think good thoughts. Think good thoughts. Speak kind words. Speak kind words. Feel love. Feel love. Be love. Be love. And give love. And give love. Namaste. Namaste. Thank you so much. That. I'm feeling great today. Awesome. <laughs> Take care. All the best. Thank you. Bye. Shane, that was Tabay Atkins opening a food truck soon. So if you live around there where Tabay lives, go double check that. Keep your eyes open. Oh, I will. <laughs> but we got to keep our ears open for this segment because this is where we take listener questions. It's mostly you, but I'm here too. And we uh, answer them. Yeah. All right. So let's get into it. The first question. How do you deal with crying on an airplane? I, I just I, hug Shane really tight. Okay. I had the same joke. Okay. <laughs> I realized the second I opened my mouth, I'm like, this is probably a hack joke. And then you confirmed it when you jumped on it. So. Are you saying that I'm a hack comedian? No, you're just a cheesy, lovable person. I'll I'm cheesy. I'll take and that. And I consider myself a professional comedy writer. Yeah, I'm cheesy and you're a little pizza heaven. Mm. Mm. All right, but crying on an airplane, how do you deal with it? So we've had one major crying episode on the airplane with the kids. It was coming back from Florida when Lucy was exactly Betty's age now, just under two. And she, she was crying the whole flight, like the entire three hours or whatever. That was a large, it felt like the entire flight, put it to you that way. It, it was It was horrific. 40%. Yeah, it was horrific. And we went through a little period on our most recent flight where Betty cried inconsolably for like 20 minutes. Thank God it wasn't longer. But it was a dreadful 20 minutes. And you feel it. And you feel like everybody's eyes on the plane are on you, even if they're not. And I feel like you could hear the slightest, you know, ugh from any other passenger, even if it's barely audible, just because you're so attuned to it. People were good on this flight. Oh, they, they were, were amazing. Really good. They Credit were amazing. 
But there are some things that you can do, and I want to go over what we did to help minimize crying and kid things. One thing we didn't do, but I saw online, I thought it was great if you have younger kids, maybe younger than ours. They're like these little sticky, what do you call it? What stick suction cup things? And they go on the windows, and they're like little fidget spinners and things, so that you put them on the window, and then your kid can just go. Oh, that's a good idea. Right? They're cute. Next, comfort items. We made sure that Lucy and Betty each had... A stuffy. They got to choose it before we left and they brought it with them. And I found that that was really helpful. Did you? Hmm. I don't know. iPad was good for Lucy. I'll tell you that much. Oh and God. not that Lucy was in, even considering crying, but it ate up so much time. The, the iPad. iPad was so good. And it's great because we don't have um, an iPad at home that we really use. And my mom being there had her iPad charged up. She has all these games for Lucy, the one strawberry shortcake game where you just like bake treats. Let's like, get ready to bake, <laughs> she would yell. <laughs> She'll look at my wonderful kitchen. And then she just bake. She did this for, I think, four hours of the five hour ride and was just thrilled and excited and never got bored. Took her totally off her mind so we could focus on Betty, who was the real issue. But snacks nursing, bottle feeding, whatever you do, have tons of it. And the last thing that I really recommend, because um, on our one flight, the kids did a lot of coloring, but you don't like, everybody's had an accident. If your kid is over two, you've had your walls drawn on at your some what? point. Your walls at home, right? With a marker or crayon. So you can get these markers. They're these like magic markers and they come with magic paper. And if you draw on anything other than the paper, it's just clear, nothing shows up. But then when you draw on the paper, you got all the colors of the rainbow and it's like amazing. And those are so handy for a plane or a hotel room because you can trust your kids not to make a mess. No, it's so good. Cool. But those are all the ones I have. Can you think of anything else? Um, I just, I would, shut up, worked a couple times. <laughs> no. How do you feel with babysitting services at resorts? We've never used them. And I was thinking about this. I follow this one great account on Instagram, Consent Parenting, and she's a sexual abuse survivor. And we've had her on this podcast, actually. And she just talks about, you know, safe and dangerous situations for your families, for your kids, red flags, how to spot them. And I was like, oh, she would not like babysitting services at a hotel or resort. But... I'm sure there is a safe way to do it. And I think that if we were going to use services like that as, as a resort, I'd want to make sure, like Shane, do you think it would be enough if we found out everybody was background checked? Like, I don't, I don't know if that would be enough. How could you verify that? If the resort's nice, I don't have to, yeah, I'll give kids to anybody if they seem good vibes. <laughs> and that's why you have two parents and two opinions in this. Well, the background check could be fake. Well, that's what I'm saying. How can you trust anybody these days? There you go. Shane flips you on a You gotta go dime. with your gut instinct. What if your gut's wrong, Shane? My gut's never been wrong. Yeah, I don't know. I, You know, I'd probably go crazy with reviews and just be looking up tons and tons of reviews online, whatever. Uh, next question. How do you decide where you're traveling and what factors into the decision when you have kids? So like Shane, when you're thinking about, oh, what would be a good family vacation, what makes a good kid-friendly destination to you? Somewhere with a nice pool. Mm-hmm. I don't, accessible food. I, it's, to me, it's 
I don't know. It's it's a no brainer. It's very obvious to me. Yeah. Well, I think because I think for some people, and for us even maybe on some vacations, depending on what kind of vibe we'd want, maybe that means oh, do they have like a kids water park? Do they have a only a kid pool? This place, like the Grand Cost Beach Club where we stayed, was not like that at all. But it was the best kid destination ever. Oh yeah. Maybe some kids need it. Our kids do not need it, so I don't think about it. You give them a beach with sand, that might as well be the funnest arcade in the world. Depending on the kid's age, but I mean, for a four and a two-year-old, a bucket. That's all you need. A bucket is the babysitter. It's like, here, boom, we're in the ocean. Obviously, we're watching them. (laughs) But you don't need any. You don't need all this stuff like made just for kids. Keep it as simple as possible. I try to make it convenient for everyone. If you, most restaurants will have a kid's Mm -hmm. menu. If there's a beach, every beach is made for kids. A pool, kids love pools. And it's just, they're excited mm-hmm. anywhere. The Like, obviously not a dangerous neighborhood. Make sure it's a reputable resort or hotel. But that's it. And keep it simple. And the more you try to make it catered for the kids, the less fun you're going to have. Oh, exactly. It's like, I'm a, I don't know, not selfish, but I want to have a relaxing fun time and these kids are going to be so the plane was a ride for lucy (laughs) well it's like the vacation's coming out of our pocketbook and it's our vacation as much as it is theirs well i I still want the kids to enjoy it but my whole point is if we make it just for us they still have the time of Mm -hmm. their lives but if we make it just for them our time is kind of shit and they're they're having just the same amount of fun as that we would if we made it just for them. No, I totally agree. And the only thing is I'd add to that would be like, so you mentioned safety and I'd say beach safety because some beaches, like if they're super rough, if there's an undertow, whatever. And I was looking into that before I messaged Grand Cost Beach Club. I asked them about the beach and I actually found another family that had gone there recently from their tagged photos and I started messaging with the mom and I was asking her about it and she reassured me that it was great and it was great. Um, And then also just like ease of necessities. Like if I run out of diapers, where can I get diapers? Like how easy can I do all that kind of stuff? Because it's, you know, like what if your luggage gets lost and you need to get all that crap again? So that's another huge one for me. Next question. I have a game for this one, Shane. Okay. So the question is, what do you think of Goop's luxury diaper prank? So if you don't know what this is, Goop, which is Gwyneth Paltrow's company, they did this big launch for a luxury diaper. And I'm going to I'm going to read to you how they described it. These diapers are lined with virgin alpaca wool, fastened with amber crystals and infused with the scent of jasmine and bergamot. Twelve diapers for one hundred and twenty dollars. So. I'm like, what the hell? And like kind of freaking out. And I was all pissed off at Gwyneth Paltrow and Goop because they're obviously no strangers to stupid products. But it turned out to be a prank to bring up a larger conversation about the price of diapers and how they're taxed as a luxury item, but they're a necessity. But then it's like funny because it was so believable because Goop has all these stupid products so I didn't yeah. think it was a good prank because it's was like, are it you satirizing yourself? Was it a prank though? Like, have you ever been in a situation where a friend kind of offends you and they're serious and then they, they realize they've hurt you and they go, I'm kidding. 
wait, do you think that they were actually going to sell them and then that's how they dealt with the outrage? No, but it's it's possible. It is possible. The fact that we're questioning it, like you're saying, is the whole thing. But it could be a PR spin. Maybe they tried doing this, got mm-hmm. bad press, and did a brilliant PR spin on it and was like, ha But it's definitely, they know that people would believe it because Goop is such a pretentious, expensive brand that's the the whole appeal is that it's an elitist company right so with this right because i was like in you and i watched the what what was it called the goop lab or whatever which was like super fascinating i thought it was a well done show actually um but i wanted to do a little prices right with some of the most ridiculous items that goop sells Because they're like, we would never sell these diapers, yet they sell these other things. So, Shane, the first item. We have 18 karat gold dumbbells. Dumbbells? Yeah, like weights. So, 18 karat gold weights. How much do you think these are going for? 120 bucks. You're close. $125,000 from the Goop website. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I don't even think they're like solid gold. I think they're just plated. Plated? Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's interesting. Uh, okay. Psychic vampire repellent. Uh, this is made to protect your aura from all of the energy vampires around you. I don't know. Just tell me, Alex. I hate this game. $27. That one's, not, that one's okay. I think, pretty reasonable. That seems like a prank. There's a $135 coffee enema. None of these are pranks. These are all real. So you can okay, get coffee. I don't know. I don't know. Like the reason that one's tricky, I've never had an enema. So yeah, I don't know what the going rate is. I don't think buying an at-home coffee enema is necessarily like the best thing to do for your body. Don't knock it till you tried it. Uh, there's a $77 vaginal steamer, which has been totally That might be debunked. cheap in the... Oh, but they're bad it? for you. Oh, okay. They're bad for your so vagina. So the price doesn't matter. It's just the fact that it's bad for you. Yes. Uh, there's a $755 saucepan, which is a must-have because it's Gwyneth's favorite to use. Okay. that's. I, I think chefs probably have... Chefs, maybe. Okay, Alex, this game is... Okay, last one. Last one, okay? But none of... How the, much... The diaper thing works because it's a, a necessity item. That's... Yes, Okay, I have two more. There's a $244 toothpaste squeezer, and it essentially just gets the little bits out of the toothpaste. But my question is, like, if you can afford a $244 toothpaste squeezer, why don't you just trash the toothpaste after it gets to a certain point? You know what I mean? That's a great point. And lastly, how much do you think it would cost to get a monthly camel milk delivery service? So you get fresh camel milk delivered to your house every month. I don't know. You just love this so much. How much? $3. But I was drinking camel milk. I'd get, see, that game would be way better if it was simple items. The toothpaste one was good. And you brought up an interesting question about it. But like, I know the price of toilet paper or paper towels or any paper product, I guess. But it's. (laughs) (laughs) You're a paper man. I'm just looking around the room and that's what I saw. But. All right, all right. Then you know, pivoting with a new question, and this is solely for Shane. When is Shane getting a soundboard for both pods? He would crush it. I don't know what the hell a soundboard is. Oh, uh, so there's a thing called This Is Important. Sorry, a thing. A podcast called This Is Important. 
and when they're recording and somebody's like, oh, I just popped a boner. Yes, that's it. Okay, have I not been saying we need to insert noises since the very first podcast? They do it live. What? So you can, everyone can hear it and they do it excellent and they're on top of it and it's. Howard does that. Yeah, but it's not like this. This is done really well. Every sound is so funny and perfect and it's something you think would be annoying, but they, the chemistry on the podcast is just so good. I want noises. I think a soundboard is a great investment. <laughs> What's who farted? <laughs> What's that, Alex? See, you can't go wrong. <laughs> Looking good. Oh, laughs every day. Um, okay, next. This one is from Mike Gallant. And I just I included this because it made me feel good after a long vacation. It sounded like you said my Gallant. So this is Mike, Mike. Gallant. I just wanted to tell you guys how much I appreciate you guys. I appreciate you guys. So, Michael Lant, we appreciate you. Thank you so much for supporting. And that's what we're going to end with tonight, Shaney Boy. All right. Well, thank you, Mike. He just released a music video. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Pretty good song. What's it called? Petrolia? Petrolia. I think that's it's an awesome name for the town that he's from, and it's a very catchy song. Uh, but, yeah, that's it. Thank you for listening to This This Family Family Tree Tree Podcast, Podcast, episode 131.